Hey, Leading Learning listener, if you represent a membership organization looking for ways to expand your online course catalog rapidly with high quality content, we have good news. At leadinglearning.com AMA, you can find out how to make online training from the American Management Association available to your learners. Through a partnership between AMA and Tagoras, the parent company of Leading Learning, you can give your learners access to more than 70 e-learning modules covering essential business topics ranging from leading and innovating, to managing projects effectively, to working in hybrid teams. For details on how to grow your catalog with courses from a true global leader in management training, visit leadinglearning.com AMA. If you're a leader, or an aspiring leader in the business of lifelong learning, you're in the right place. I'm Salisa Steele. And I'm Jeff Cobb. And this is the Leading Learning Podcast. Welcome to episode 94 of the Leading Learning Podcast. In this episode, we talk with Graham Newell, an expert in emotional marketing and co-author of Red Goldfish, Motivating Sales and Loyalty Through Shared Passion and Purpose. Before we get to that interview with Graham, though, we want to thank your membership, the podcast sponsor for the third quarter of 2017. Your membership's learning management system is specifically designed for professional education with a highly flexible and intuitive system that customizes the learning experience. Your membership's LMS seamlessly integrates with key systems to manage all of your educational content formats in one central location while providing powerful tools to create and deliver assessments, evaluations, and learning communities. You can find out more about your membership at yourmembership.com. Our resource for this episode relates directly to the interview with Graham Newell. Specifically, we want to point you to a series of three-minute emotional marketing lessons that Graham has posted on YouTube. And there there are more than 40 of these, and they are a great way to learn what emotional marketing is all about and how to do it. And you can get these simply by going to the show notes for this episode at leadinglearning.com slash episode 94. So, Jeff, you got to talk with Graham, and I'm sure that at least uh, one of your questions focused on what emotional marketing is. Definitely. It's funny, Graham actually uh, contacted us initially because he had some some questions about the association world. And as I was listening to him and looked at his website and found out what he did and found out that he was focused on emotional marketing, I, I knew right away that this was somebody that we wanted to talk to. We've you know, certainly written and, and said it many times that, uh, that very often that emotional element is missing from the way that educational experiences, uh, particularly those from trade and professional associations, are presented to the world. And, you know, education is fundamentally about change. Um, it often goes directly to people's values, and values are very much connected to emotion. So, you know, we're definitely big advocates of getting more emotion into the marketing uh, of education, you know, to conveying a, a vision that uh, really helps to, to hook people and, you know, help them realize the change that you're trying to make in the world through your educational initiatives and uh, the change that you're going to help them make in their lives and careers. So, you know, that was kind of the agenda, I guess, that I brought to the table in in talking with Graham. And he definitely knows so much about uh, emotional marketing, tapping into emotion. Uh, He's also very focused on the idea of purpose in, in business. Um, and he focuses mostly on uh, for-profit type businesses, um, 
but certainly everything he's talking about applies for associations who are often, you know, very often, you know, purpose driven. That, that's why they're there is to, to serve a, a purpose for the, the field that, um, uh, that they were created for. So had a great conversation. I, I think there's going to be, you know, plenty here that listeners are going to be able to take away, think about, and then truly apply in how they're presenting their learning out to the world. Well, great. Then let's get to the interview with Graham Newell. Hello, this is Jeff Cobb, and I am thrilled to have the opportunity to be sitting here once again in the interviewer chair for Leading Learning. In this episode of the show, I will be talking with Graham Newell. Graham is a researcher, speaker, and author who guides businesses in finding and implementing their authentic business purpose. His company, 602 Communications, has done research and consulting for some of the world's most purpose-driven companies, including GE, CNN, Sony, Disney, and a long list of others. So we definitely want to dig into what purpose-driven business is and a number of other topics. But first of all, Graham, welcome to Leading Learning. Jeff, thanks for having me in. I'm looking forward to talking to you today. Well, I'm really looking forward to the, the conversation. We've just been introduced recently and have been getting to, to know each other a little bit. And one of the, the driving reasons that uh, I really wanted to get you on the show is that you specialize in what you call emotional marketing. And you know, I'll say in, in working with organizations over the years, as I do, primarily in that business of continuing education and professional development... I've noticed that uh, very often the way that uh, those organizations present themselves to the world, the way they present their, their, their learning, their education, is almost devoid of emotion. There's often you know, no passion, no vision, no real deep connection with the customer. So I'd love to start off with you explaining to listeners a little bit about what emotional marketing is. Well, Jeff, the big thing that we know now from so much of the research that's been done over the last few years in what motivates people to make decisions is that so much of the decision-making that we make is subconscious to us. What the research is showing is right about 85% of the way we make decisions is completely hidden to us. Hmm. Now, we know that extra, that 15% is what hits our, our conscious brain. But what the research is showing now is that what we have a tendency to do is we feel something, we make a decision, and then we're going to go out and find the facts that verify what we already believe. So, for example, when I buy that Apple phone, what what they're showing is is that I may have a deeply insecure need to be cool, and I feel as though I'm not one of the cool kids in in class. And so what do I do? Well, I go and I get that Apple phone, and then I justify it by going, oh, but Apple has the best features. Mm. They've got absolutely the, the best design, which is true. But what it's showing over and over again is we make these decisions subconsciously. So what is the most powerful thing that that we have for making these decisions? It's human emotion. And all of those things that we developed through evolutionary times over the two million years that we've been on the planet, they were all about those instinctual things. They were all about the stuff that kept us us alive. Find a good cave for the winter and don't freeze to death and be able to spend time with with your family and bond with, with your tribe. Well, these emotional connections are things that are hardwired into our brain. This is what we know are the the most powerful things that we can do to sell products these days. Fancy skills like agriculture and living in houses, that's just the last 10 or 20,000 years. So if you're going to truly connect with people on this level, you've got to attract that subconscious mind. And there's no better way to do that than deep emotional marketing that doesn't just sell your product features, but shows that, wow, I, I really believe in these people. You hit 
people on this deep emotional level, that subconscious brain reacts and you just fall into line and you buy. So you've mentioned Apple, and I can definitely identify with that. And you know, the the wanting to be the cool kid. I know I always feel you know about ten degrees cooler once I once I've bought something from from Apple, and they're they're very good. You know, making people feel that. What are what are some other examples out there? Some you know companies or organizations, you know maybe nonprofits as, as well that are that are really getting this right. That are that are connecting with their audience on that emotional level. Oh, there's so many of them. And, you know, what we did for uh, my book, Red Goldfish, that we we just published a little while back, is we went through and looked at about 300 companies that were doing an exemplary job of, of this. So let me just throw out a, a few more. And again, what you're going to find is these are the, these brands that we love is what we do. You know, Google, every time I light up my Gmail, I feel like I'm a genius. I don't know about, about you, but I just feel like I'm one of the smart guys and I'm hanging with Google. Yet, is there any difference between a Google email or a Hotmail email or, or frankly, an AOL? Well, email. No, you know, there, there's not. But yet I feel good about my own self a little smarter, a little better when I rub up with, with these people. Google has a clear, passionate, emotional mission, and they're about opening up the world through technology. What Google wants to do is take all their products from Umail to, to um, you know, to, to Gmail to all the different things. What they're going to do is make sure that we've got a very specific feeling when we hit their product. And that's what emotional marketing comes companies do. There's companies like Ben and Jerry's. Now, when you think about it, the idea of a socially aware ice cream is kind of crazy. But yet somehow we think, oh, yeah, this is just a, you know, a better ice cream. It tastes better for us. We see great brands like Whole Foods that were just recently purchased by, by Amazon. Every time you walk into that Whole Foods store, you feel as though you're helping the planet. You feel as though you're a good person that, that's taking care of yourself. Brands like Costco, you know, a great company that treats their employees well, and they hang their entire retail strategy on how well they treat their employees. They're the big box retailer with with a heart. Great companies like Disney, oh my goodness, parents having that opportunity to give their child that wonderful Disney adventure makes them feel like a phenomenal parent. The average cost of going to Disney for a family is about $5,000. You know, it's a tremendous amount of money, but yet that we will gladly do that. Now, will you get to Universal Studios? Yeah, maybe I might get there, but I'm going to Disney. When you compare the parks, you know, there's, you know, no question Disney does a great job, but, you know, how many people have that same warm feeling when, when they say they're going to SeaWorld? You know, just, just not as much. Yeah, it's funny. We, uh, I've got the young children and we haven't, uh, bitten the Disney bullet yet, but, uh, you know, if you're a parent of young children, you almost have this feeling like you're you're not a good parent if you uh, if you haven't taken your your kids to Dis- Disney. I mean, it's it's that so it's so yeah, deep and Jeff, ingrained, yeah. you know, in, in our society. Um, what, don't do don't be the crappy father, Jeff. We need <laughs> you right. to step up and be one of the good parents. That's is right. what, what you'll have. And you know, thirty years from now, you're going to be talking with your kids about that incredible Disney trip that you had. So, no question, the kids love it, and they they do a, a great job of it. But my goodness, do parents love it? And somehow they have anointed the idea of family and that you're a great parent mm-hmm. because they truly understand the emotions that motivate people to want to go to the park. Definitely, definitely. Now, bringing this back around, I, I mentioned as sort of a tee up to this that you know I do a lot of work with uh, organizations that provide learning, uh, continuing education, professional development, and it often seems that they're they're not really connecting at an emotional level. And I feel like with something like learning, I mean, you're helping to change somebody's life, you're helping to you know take them through their career, give them new opportunities. There's 
it seems like plenty of fertile ground for making that uh, emotional connection there. Could you maybe, you know, play consultant for us here a little bit? And, and if you are that type of organization and, you know, you're trying to diagnose your situation, figure out to what degree you are making any sort of emotional connection, and then trying to make some decisions about how you could make a deeper emotional connection. I mean, how, what steps would you take to, to kind of wrestle with that? Sure. You know, the, the thing that happens is, is we start buying our own press is what, what's happening. We get so incredibly internally focused on, on the things that are important to us that we forget the reasons why customers tend to buy our, our products. So what we first of all find is that companies are hyper-focused on, on a competitor. And, you know, you, you ask them exactly, you know, what, what's the new feature that come out from a competitor? And they'll know everything is mm-hmm. what they'll, they'll know. But you, you ask them, well, tell me a little bit more about the, the most, you know, dynamic ways your, your customers are using your products these days. And they'll go, well, I'm not quite sure. You know, we act as though what we're trying to do is combat against a competitor as opposed to truly serve a, a customer. So it really begins, for, first of all, with understanding exactly how your customers are using your products in, in new and innovative ways. And what we find is most companies have not done the kind of homework that, that they need to do there. Mm. So it, it really one of the industries that we work a lot with is actually the education in industry and and you know universities and, and colleges and such. And what you'll notice is you'll go through their ads, you look at the, their pitches and they'll go, oh we've got an athletics department or we're, we've got a great big size or or we've got incredible clubs on, on campus or we're for you know Christian students or a great nightlife. What we do is we hyper fi- you know, fixate on exactly what these product features are because that's what we know. That's what we're working on in our office every single day. My product is better. But what we haven't done is taken that leap down to the next level of exactly how do those product features make your customers feel. And if there's anything that that I would suggest that you – you do is query your customers about that. Talk to them very specifically. Okay, so you love the new low price, but what does that new low price enable you to do? And somebody might go, well, that enables me to have a little bit more money in my pocket so I can be a better kid and spoil my kids a little more. Or it might go, that's going to allow me to save for a new house. And I've always wanted to be a big successful guy. So one is about parenting. The other is is about success and feeling as though you've made it in in the world um, financially. Mm. Two very different motives motivations, but yet the same product feature. But we have a tendency to brand product features by simply listing them and going, hey, I've got this feature and that feature and that whatever. We haven't taken the time to take that extra step to find out exactly what are those key deep emotions that are motivating people to do that. And typically, these are going to be things from Maslow's hierarchy of, of needs, where it's about safety or it's it's about the idea of, of feeling as though I'm enlightened. All of these decisions are made by our subconscious brain, and we've got to decipher exactly how product features and the many things that we offer our customers translate down into the brains of people's lives. Because these are the most powerful motivators that we have, that 85% of the subconscious brain. And that really begins by doing some amazing listening. So starting with asking people what they like about your your product, which is great, but then not, not letting up there and going, hey, okay, tell me a little bit about – 
you know, when you, you know, when when you sit in that BMW and you get an opportunity to take those corners as fast as you you need, how does it make you feel? And I go, well, I feel like I'm, you know, I'm I'm really, you know, a performance guy, or I I feel as though I'm young, or you know, things like that. Those are the emotions that we're after. So just keep asking them about how that product affects them, and then listen not to necessarily what they say, but watch their face, listen Mm. to their emotions, see when they light up, when when they get demonstrative. Those are the things that you need to push for your customers. Do you hear fear? Do you hear hope? Do you hear, I want to be a good dad? Do you you hear, I'm worried I'm a failure? Those are things that your product needs to tap into because those are the most powerful motivators that people have. Now, one of the things I've I've heard you mention a a few times in what you just said was uh, really had to do with, with actually talking to the customer or in the case of, you know, most of our listeners that are their members. And we found, um, you know, trade and association, uh, trade and professional associations tend to be very fond of surveying and, and I think that can be valuable. I mean, we, we help organizations conduct surveys and we, and we get some good information out of them, but I've found that, um, very often organizations don't spend enough time just picking up the phone and having a conversation or, or as you were saying, you know, sitting down face to face and watching, you know, how people are reacting. So, I mean, as part of the core of this, really having that, you know, that true human interaction, whether by, by phone or, or in, in person to, to really get that feel. Absolutely. And, and, you know, what we know is there's many different research methodologies, and it is critically important that you find out the product features and the things that they love and hate about your service or your, your product. But that's really only a very first step, and that's where most companies tend to let up. They don't do the research to find out exactly what that next step is and how mm-hmm. those emotions are, are really going to play out. So no question, you, you say, you know, I'm, I run a car company, and I really like the way your windows go down, and I, I think you, you guys have got great brakes and things like that. That is absolutely a, a big part of stuff that, that you need to know. But now what is re- required is to really go on to that next step. And that's where most companies really fall down. You've got to listen to and listen to and find out those emotions that are between the, the lines. And that's really about appealing not just to the conscious brain, because what we have a tendency to do is to say, okay, this is how I want to appear to the world. We do that survey and, and we go, okay, I want to impress this, you know, the surveyor that I'm a big shot. And so what do I do? I don't lie, but I kind of craft my conversation in such a way where I feel good about myself and my ego based on what somebody has. Mm. The kind of the kind of testing that we do is stuff where we don't actually ask your conscious brain anything is what we do. We test things like reaction time. So for example, one of the products that we worked on was was a wine. And we wanted to find out whether pe- people felt that wine was overpriced. If they could um, if they could raise the price on, on that wine and make a little bit more money. Well, what we do is we show picture of, a picture of, of that wine. Then we have people put their, their hands on, on two buttons. And we say, if you agree with this, we want you to press the right button. You know, if you don't agree with it, we want you to press the, the left button. So, for example, we might show something like we would show Michael Jordan, and then we, we might show a word after that, that that says athlete. Now, you'd be able to, to press that button super fast. 
Now, if we if we pressed if we showed that picture of Michael Jordan and then we put up the word accountant a- afterwards, it will take you another few milliseconds to mm-hmm. press that button because your brain's going to go, no, he's not an accountant. He, I, I don't believe that. I, I he, he's this. And so what we did with this wine was we we throw the wine, then we put up the words like overpriced, or we put up the words like over like a good value. And what we found was they could raise the price of the wine because people felt as though it was un- underdone. But what's neat is we weren't asking their conscious brain. They have to react as fast as they possibly can, and that is a subconscious response. And it's a, it was a completely different response than what we got when we asked their conscious brain. So these emotions are, are the most powerful decisions that we make. Now, that's interesting, and I'm, I'm, in my mind, the wheels are turning you know, relative to uh, again, you know, sort of the, the, the membership type organizations that we tend to work with. And, um, you know, I'm thinking, for example, of their, their annual meetings or, or their, their big events and, you know, how they tend to market those. And there's always, you know, a lot about the agenda and who the keynote speaker is and, you know, uh, maybe what the parties are, are, are going to be for, for some of them, um, those types of things. And yet, in survey after survey, people will be told that um, it's the networking that matters. You know, that, that's what uh, the, the members like to say. And that's what, you know, people in the organization believe. But I think that, you know, really connecting with that at emotional, an emotional level and figuring out what that actually means. So this may be putting you a little bit too much on the spot, and you can tell me if it is. But uh, if I were going to sit down with a group of people at, you know, an annual meeting or something like that and, and try to really get into networking and what what they get out of that so that I can potentially connect with them more on that level and, and hopefully in a better uh, position the annual meeting going forward. I mean, what, what kind of questions would you ask or what might you go through to, to try to get at the, the subconscious there and figure out you know, what, what networking means to them emotionally? Yeah. Well, let me talk to you about the way that, that we do this. And again, we use some pretty sophisticated methodologies to, to do that with you know computers and, and stuff like that. But it's it's really a, a process that really begins with getting away from your own product. So what do we look for when, when we go to a conference? So what we want, as you mentioned, is we want to network. We we're, we're there most of us in order to you know get, get a better job, maybe move up in our career, get that big promotion, whatever it is. And what we have a tendency to do is we've all got a script of what we're looking for at, at the conference. Conference. And we've trained people what to say because they've read our ads, they've seen the brochures over the years, and it's always a great opportunity for you to network with your colleagues and the, you know, the best speakers and authors from all over the, the world. And so that is what the conscious brain will simply spit back. But why are we there? Well, we're there because maybe we want to do better in our job, and and we, we really feel as as though you know that person in the next cubicle got to go last year, and I didn't get to go. And I am more qualified than her, so it might be about competition. But what you want to do is sit down with the people that are going and don't talk to them about your product at all. Mm. So you would show up here, and what you would do is sit down with somebody, and you'd say, tell me about your job. And then you just listen. And you'd listen, first of all, for what they say and give them about 10 or 15 minutes just to unload on it. And then do your best not to interrupt. Just throw some silences out. And what's going to happen is it's going to get real honest. 
And so what you'll hear are, are things like, yeah, you know, my wife is really putting a lot of pressure on me and, and she, she really wants me to get that big promotion. And so I'm really, I'm really worried about that. And if that's what you hear, then what you would want to do is market this as an opportunity for you to learn more that'll get you that, that big promotion. Or maybe it's, it's about you feel as though you're not important enough in, in the world is, is what you hear. And you'll go, yes, the other big members, you know, the other big power members are there. You can either do that in a positive way and market it that way and say, it's your opportunity to hobnob with the big power brokers, or you could do it in a negative way. You know, all the people that are power brokers are going to be there and you had better be there or you won't be one of them. And I'm assuming you're kind of listening for patterns as you do that. Um, so that if you hear enough people on a particular theme, then, then, you know, you're onto something and then that's, you know, what, what you run with. Absolutely. It's that you've got to have enough people that to, you know, do critical mass. So what I like to do is basically go, go out to people with, with members. And I, I try to do this, you know, you know, like once a week. And basically you, you bring people in, you go have coffee with them and, and you sit, sit there for half an hour, maybe, you know, 45 minutes if, if you've got time and you just let them talk. You don't necessarily listen to what they say. You listen to the emotions. Hmm. You listen to what you hear. Do you hear insecurity? Do you hear hope? Do you hear happiness? Do you hear injustice? You know, they don't understand me at work. They've never, they, they've never give. if I let me run the company, I could run this place so much better and they don't get me. If that's the case, then what you want to do with your members, if you hear that over and over again, is brand new solutions that are going to help you reinvent your company and move up so that you'll be the one that'll get the big promotion. Right, right. And now switching gears a, a little bit because I want to be you know conscious of our time. I, I know the the other big topical area that you focus on is purpose driven business, and uh, I mean intuitively it seems to me there's going to be a connection between emotional marketing and purpose driven business. But maybe you could talk about that a little bit. I mean, what is purpose driven business, and, and how does it connect into the the idea of emotional marketing? Are the two intertwined or? They are, absolutely. And this is what we went over in, in my recent book, Red Goldfish. What we have done is went, went in, looked at all of these in, incredible brands. And what we found from them is that it's not okay these days for you just to show up, fleece the masses of, of their money, and then take it back. You look at you know companies like Wells Fargo that have just seen you know incredible stock drops after they were you know found out as you know stealing from people. Companies like Volkswagen that was cheating on the, the emissions. What we want to make sure we're doing is giving people a very clear glimpse, opening the kimono and going, here's what my company stands for, particularly with millennials these days, because millennials are not just content to buy products that are good. There's tons of products in any category. They want to buy products that match their ethics and values. They, they want to have a company that's got a strong purpose behind it. I am a person that, that shops at, you know, at Whole Foods, or I'm really proud that I, you know, that I uh, eat Ben and Jerry's ice cream, or I believe in you know everyone having an opportunity to expand the world and and to and to play with each other, and that's why I stay in an Airbnb. All of these brands really lead with their ethics is what they lead. And it's not necessarily ethics, but what they b believe in. You know, there's no doubt what, whatsoever. Companies like Method, they want to make sure that cleansers in the world do not hurt the environment. And they're going to, you know, be first and forward with, with doing that. Zappos is all about customer service. 
service and the idea of people should be there for e- each other. Each of these companies, are they that different from their competitor? They're, they're not. Zappos is owned by Amazon, and I can get the same shoes on, on Amazon that I can on, on Zappos. But somehow, I just feel a little better about myself when I get them on, on Zappos and I have that wonderful, warm experience with, with somebody. Starbucks Coffee, they're that community place where I'm going to go and be with other people in, in my neighborhood where we all have a meeting. We, we could go to Dunkin' Donuts for that, for that meeting as well and get that same cup of coffee. But somehow, it just doesn't seem to be as, as cool and, and as chic as it is. All of these companies are leading with their what they believe in, in the world. And it will not be okay for you not to do that. The advertising, the traditional advertising model is, is really waning right now. Little by little, we're all doubting advertising more than ever. And that traditional ad sell of, hey, buy my product. It's the best. It's the coolest. You're going to love it. That is becoming an incredibly inauthentic voice now. So what companies are doing is they are, are saying, here's what I stand for. And my great products demonstrate that. And if you believe the same thing, come and join me. Companies like L.L. Bean, companies like Gore, Lego, Kashi, you know, Tom's, Chipotle, you know, they're going to have those wonderful, well-done burritos that are going to be organically raised and with, you know, pork that, that was compassionately uh, provided. And so I know this is obviously something you're passionate about um, as part of your your purpose and your purpose driven business and and you talk with a lot of groups about this I assume you know within companies but also at you know places like trade and professional association meetings how do you a- approach trying to to teach people about this message uh, I mean basically what is your what's sort of your philosophy as a teacher as a facilitator of learning as you're trying to get this this message out to uh, the audiences that you're serving it's pretty wonderful I have to tell you Jeff it, people are just so receptive to this this is something that all of us crave we, we don't want to work for evil corp we we don't want to work for a company that, that's exploiting people that that's you know, plying on their weaknesses in in order to you know to to sell them. What we want to work for is companies that that really stand for something. So whether it's customers, employees, you know, vendors, that I, I want to work with with companies that that are really doing something. So what's wonderful is we get an opportunity to do this, and people just naturally go to it. They just love that they get an opportunity to do this. You know, if, if in my life, I know you've probably done the same thing in, in yours as well. You maybe have taken a, a job. Job that had less salary or maybe a little less, you know, position or, or perks because you so believed in that company's mission. You mm. so, you know, loved what, what they did. And this is what is going to be the way forward now. We've become so sophisticated when it comes to advertising and, and selling that inauthenticity is sniffed out instantly. You know, you're going to be called out on social media if you're doing stuff that's exploitive. You're going to be found out if you're doing stuff where your house is not in order. It's not okay now for companies not to have a viral video page where they talk about what they stand for. You look on YouTube, every major company in, in the world has that pretty much. I Here's what I believe. Here's why I make my products. Here's the way that I make them that I show is authentic. And it's companies like this that are the ones that are the lifelong brands, the companies that we want to stick to because we believe so much in, in what they do. Well, you're obviously, you know, a person who is, has, is very passionate about some, some big ideas. I assume that uh, 
that you're kind of an idea person in general, that you like to, you know, continually be finding ideas, developing those ideas. And, you know, as we're, as we're starting to, to wind up our, our conversation here today, I, I want to ask you something that we ask everybody who comes on the Leading Learning uh, show, which is, what are your own, you know, lifelong learning habits and practices, you know, and I think in your case, you know, how, how are you finding those ideas? How are you developing them? How are you staying on top of, you know, everything that you're, you're speaking about and, and writing about and, you know, basically keeping this all sharp? Oh, and I, I got to tell you, I'm, I'm probably the world's most amazing in, inhaler of scattered knowledge all over the world, Jeff. That's that's my my problem. I'm a big Twitter guy. I, I, I hang out on RSS all day long. I have um, six monitors that uh, surround me throughout the whole course of the day that just have Twitter and RSS feeds. Wow, that might be a record. I, yeah, it's it, it, it's just amazing that that's there, and you know stuff will go by, and sometimes I got to turn them off because I can't get anything done. <laughs> but but what what is wonderful is, you know, the social media is rising to the top where they'll tell you what those most amazing things being done by influencers are, and I've got a, a list of upwards of thirty or forty feeds that are all raised by by keywords. Twitter's really great about being able to to do that. Same thing with with LinkedIn, and you can actually search for things that just fascinate you and I'll typically change them up in, in a day. So I, I have, you know, existing feeds for social enterprise, corporate social responsibility, emotional marketing, things like that. But the ability to have that roll by during the day always just keeps me constantly fascinated. There are so many tools that can now really drill down onto the specific things that are just in your wheelhouse and learning to use those as best you can will bring fascinating stuff to your door that you didn't know existed. Uh, most of my news, most of my information now I get off Twitter. Well, that's great. We're, we're big fans of that. In fact, we recently did an episode on curation and you know using the, the tools and the processes for, for curating content, regardless of whether you're going to publish it out to the world or not, even just you know to, to, for your own learning, basically, to, as you're saying, you know, pull together all these feeds and be able to refer to them and see what's happening and what's developing and, and what it's worth you know, tuning into and, and learning from. So that's, that's fantastic. Now, I, I know that, uh, that listeners can find out more about you at your at your company website 602communications.com and you you've got you've got a lot of stuff there so i i want to give you a chance before we sign off you know from this episode to to highlight uh, a little bit about what people will actually be able to to find there Oh, it, it, I hope you, you'll stop by and, and take a look. We've got um, quite literally more than 100 training videos that show very specifically how to implement emotional marketing, all free to, to use, and then a whole series of, of case studies. We have from the 200 brand, excuse me, the 300 brands that, that we did for the Red Goldfish book, in there are specific examples of all the viral videos, all the ads, all the things that, that, that these companies did that are just amazing. We went through, collected more than 3,500 of, of these videos and then curated them all down by brand, by topic, by the type of archetype they were. All that's there on, on the website. So if you want to just wander around for a while and just see some of the best brands in the world and how they're really showcasing these amazing emotions, do a little bit of training on some of the short little two and three minute videos, there's a lot there. Again, that's 602communications.com. Great. Well, thanks for sharing that. And I know folks can find out about the book there as well and certainly can find Red Goldfish on, on Amazon also. And of course, they can find out more about you as a, as a speaker um, and, and the services that you offer by going to 602 Communications. So, Graham, thanks so much for taking the time to be on Leading Learning. 
Hey, Jeff, one, one more thing but before we go. I'd like to ask you, what, what would you say is your favorite brand in the world and you know, the most emotional brand for you? What, what do you think that would be? Ooh, boy, that's a tough one. Um, right off the top of my head, I, I'm not sure if the company is really behind the emotion or not. You might have some insight into this, but um, I'm a guitarist, and oh. uh, so a Fender Stratocaster Oh. Just like that, that gets, you know, my emotional cords, so to speak, uh, <laughs> going. Um, so I, I'll throw, you know, I'll probably come up with something different on a different day, but that's the one I'll throw out right now. Oh, that's, that's wonderful. And, and, and how, how do you feel about yourself when you're, when you're strumming that fender? Oh, uh, well, that's it. You know, when you, when you plug it in and, you know, crank the amp up to 11, as I say on a uh, spinal tap and, you know, start banging out some, some blues riffs or something. I mean, for me, nothing makes me feel better in the world than doing that. So you're a rebel is what I'm hearing. Exactly, you're, yeah. you're the guy that, that, that wants to disrupt. Sure. You're, you're incredibly responsible during the course of the day, but on the weekend you go wild, you know, Jeff and, and the brand that does this best that I think you should consider is Harley. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, I'm yeah. an accountant dur- during the day, but on weekends people fear me, you know? So I think, I think you, you need to get a big Harley. That's what I think, Jeff. That's, that's a, a interesting connection because I've actually used Harley myself when I've talked to uh, organizations about bringing more emotion into, you know, how they're presenting themselves out uh, to the world. And, and Harley just does a fantastic job at that. So. Sounds great. Well, Graham, thanks again. It's been a true pleasure talking with you. Again, folks should go to 602communications.com to to find out more. But thank you so much for being on the Leading Learning Podcast. Thanks a lot, Jeff. That wraps up our interview with Graham Newell. As we're exiting, we want to say thanks again to your membership. You can find out more about your membership and all it offers at yourmembership.com. To get the show notes for this episode and to get that link to the videos that uh, Graham has created on emotional marketing, just go to leadinglearning.com slash episode 94. And while you're there, you're also going to see options for subscribing to the podcast. And we certainly hope that if you are not subscribed already and you're getting value out of what we're doing here, that you would click that subscribe button and make this something that regularly appears in your podcast feed. We would also love it if you would take just a minute to give us a rating on iTunes. To do that, you can go to leadinglearning.com slash iTunes. Uh, We really appreciate it. We like seeing the ratings. We like seeing the reviews. And it helps others find the podcast. And consider telling others about the podcast. All you have to do to send out a tweet is go to leadinglearning.com slash share. But you're not limited to tweeting. You can use other social networks, LinkedIn, Facebook, whatever fits your particular fancy, to send out a message to the world saying leadinglearning.com podcast. It's great. You got to listen. Thanks again and see you next time on the Leading Learning Podcast.